the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. Get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Thank you for joining for this edition of The Bible Live broadcast. The uh, Oh, did I give you your... Um Questions? Uh, <laughs> did I give you a sheet for tonight? Uh, I don't know. I've got Jacob. Mine. Okay. Got oh mine. yeah, you already had yours for a week anyway. But I was thinking about. Uh, I was going to give you 
uh, in next advance week's. next week's yeah. questions. Yeah. You see how organized we are, folks? We're just so right. Yeah. So really on top of things. Yeah. So uh, we're ready to go. We're coming up. We're on top of things. Unfortunately, the things have been turned upside down. <laughs> That's right. So we're up. Well, anyway. Sure. So the point is uh, we're coming to the end of yet another Bible reading no. year. No. Believe it or not, we've gone Genesis. Not quite to the maps yet, but we're almost there. We're... Uh, Tonight, we're going to be focusing on, well, I, I guess, the little the, the um, books at the end of the of the Hebrew Scriptures, of the Tanakh. Uh, particularly, I sup- I'd say we're kind of changing our focus. The, the prophets that came before the time of the exile, leading up to that. And then tonight, we'll talk about uh, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, the three prophets who whose messages, whose uh, ministry took place after. Do you like Nahum? I do like Nahum. Why should I? Why would you ask that if I, I like him? Ask. I was wondering. I think he's a nice guy. He's a really nice he's guy. He's a snappy really dresser, is. carries a good tune. Yeah, you know. exactly. But yeah. what's in his book ah, uh-huh. is the real answer. And i got to tell you, this has always been troublesome for me, huh. is because in his book, you know, this, as we talked about, and maybe, maybe, maybe you're certainly right that there was some personal animosity, a little hate perhaps, but um, it tells in his book why the Jews and the Samaritans could not get along. It's the whole book is about. Chapter 3 explains the whole thing. Anyway, well, good. I'm glad so, that we and so when, let's look I, at that. Some, I hear somebody say, "Well, it's because uh, you know the Jews didn't like the half-breed Samaritans." I always say to myself, "Well, there's two things I know. I know what they just said is not in the Bible, and I also know they don't read the Bible, but they collect a paycheck for being a preacher." I see. It's it, it's it's never racially or ethnically based. Well, it could be. I'm sure, as you suggested, well, it, it, there yeah. might be some people. We're like talking that. about in the broad scheme. There was yes. not a, a. Are you trying to be a yeah. sexist? Yeah, yeah. What do you mean, broad scheme? What do you mean by that? I didn't say that, folks. Uh, his phone number, if you'd like to give him a call, <laughs> area code. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> don't drag me into that. Um, here we go. We're going to talk tonight about uh, the book Micah. Nahum, who uh, Jim just mentioned, Nahum. That was, uh, yeah, I don't know who he is, but wow, you know what? I I was looking at the uh, at the books we looked at last week. Yes, and I thought, man, we're just not, we're not really. We do go so fast. I guess that's the trade off yeah, about yeah. this program is that we do move through the entire Bible in a year, yep. and we try to get around to discussing and questions from each book and so on. But every book is so amazing. I think oh, I think every book is so fascinating. Listen, that you could almost I, spend. A, I could not agree with you more. And we well, don't get to spend enough time oh, on them, yeah, do we? You know, I, I thought about you know. Remember that one caller we had? Uh, I think it was Robert or Bob or something. Uh-huh, like uh-huh. And he said, "You know what you guys ought to do is have like a some type of a meeting with all listeners at some hotel or some room or something." And actually, be, I was thinking about that simply because of him and what you said uh-huh, in the past uh-huh, uh-huh. is because. We go through these books, and and I gotta say, like almost nobody realizes that there's a book that talks about why the Jews and the Samaritans didn't like each other, and then I realize, you know, nobody's reading that. I know, evidently, yeah. And then I think why, uh, 
And I think about the, all the rest of this, and there's so much richness, richness like we talked about. You have a question, by the way, tonight. I am very proud of you for picking. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm kind of eager to know which one it was. Uh-huh. But uh, I will say this. You, there's the only one thing, or only one thing, I, I suppose this is a dangerous thing to say, only one thing that I, bl- I actually blame the Jews for. Uh, it, is that a way to say it? That's probably not a good way to say well, it. Well, no. It's I got to say, it's a vast improvement. Thank you. One thing. <laughs> only one thing. My gosh, just that's one. the first time in my life I've only heard just one thing. You guys, you guys got to explain more stuff to us. You oh, gotta, I just love it. I can't wait to tell everybody. It's only one thing, yeah, guys. Yeah, it's yeah. only one thing. Y'all, y'all, y'all have got one task, and that is to represent the the uh, in, in your words and in your lives, of course, but. Uh, you're to explain to us the Gentile nations. Yeah. You're supposed to help us understand uh, God, the, the true and living God, the Creator. And you're supposed to, uh, yeah, through the Scriptures, open them up to us and explain them to us. And that's something I, I've only just, obviously, here in the last three to five years, mainly mm-hmm. through your input in my life and the influence. And and I, I think something is happening generally in Christendom in the U.S. U.S. Church and among Christians in the United States, I think there does seem to be a genuine discovery and openness to our uh, our Jewish roots, to the Hebrew roots of, of I our. I do too. It seems to be happening. It's I, not just in San Antonio, but uh, I've, I've seen it here now for probably a decade. But I'm talking with people this past week. I was in Pennsylvania with some of our staff from all over the country, and visiting and talking with them. Sometimes we I'm bringing these things up to see what's going on in their part of the world. And they tell me the same thing that in their cities, you know what I look there at seems to be as? this development. I look at that. I don't want to get corny on this, mm-hmm. and I do always tell everybody they can listen to his show. It is a religious show, but the good news is it's not a wacko religious show. <laughs> so, but I, what I, I agree with you on, and I think it may be an act of God. I'll tell you why. Huh. Because somewhere in there is certain meanings. And those have been passed over, overlooked, lost. And, and and quite frankly, the Jews have learned that it did not go so well with them when they raised their heads. So they've learned to <laughs> kind of true. keep their heads down. And I can understand that. As so, an Apache, I kind of understand sure. that as well. Yeah. But so <laughs> I, so I do agree with you. What I love is the idea that somebody's saying, well, exactly how they don't have to agree. Uh-huh. It's kind of like going to Luba's. You pick what you want, you leave what you want. But... I am really happy when somebody says, well, so what? The, how do you all read this kind of I thing? I pick what I want and I leave what I can't afford. It's my... <laughs> okay. Well, I, I have done the opposite many times about <laughs> what I couldn't afford. Yeah. But but I will tell you, it's like, remember we did Jeremiah. Almost nobody realizes there's a couple of the guys in Jeremiah had the same teaching. Of course, they got killed. Jeremiah evidently wrote the book. But they're in there. Then we there's another thing about Jeremiah making up Jeremiah making up his own alphabet, and it's kind of hidden. You got to know through three steps to unravel it. How often do you ever? It's in black and white. But how often do you ever see it talked about or showed? Okay, is that significant? Yes. Does that make a difference? Oh. Would it make a difference in the way we understand God and well? His redemptive plan and if all that sort of If you understand God, you're already ahead of me. No, don't go there. I don't. <laughs> all I know is that, hey, he says I am. I say, okay. Uh, all right. So. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Uh, 
I was thinking, I think, therefore I am, but I'm not going to go there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. But anyway, tonight we're going to talk about Micah, about Nahum, about Habakkuk, the way you said, I forgot. Ah, that's ha- all you got, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. That's it. Uh, and, and then we're going to go to the three prophets who ministered after the return of the exiles, after the uh, five, what was about about, I think around 515, the normally date the exile, I mean, at least from my understandings, from 586, when when the temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, the the final uh, invasion, uh, the the third of three major invasions of Israel by the Babylonians, and then in 586 the temple destroyed and so on, until 515 when the temple is uh, the altar is finished. Uh, we're told in what the Book of Ezra, uh, I believe, it records the the finishing of the altar, the rebuilding the the, the temple, at least the altar, and so. That's, I think, normally where the 70 years are measured uh, that the Jeremiah spoke of before the fact, and then, of course, that we that we see take place as well. Uh, you may have another thought about how the 70 years are dated. Oh, no, no, that's okay. But um, anyway, uh, it, it, then afterwards we have Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah. They were contemporaries. They, they were there around uh, during the time of the rebuilding, and... <laughs> Whisper to me, <laughs> I can't read lips. This is terrible. But anyway, we're going to um, we're going to talk about those books tonight. But I was looking at the books. Uh, Jonah. We didn't talk a lot about Jonah. Well, actually, it is interesting because in Nahum it comes after Jonah. Yep, exactly. Uh, and then he says, "Ah, sorry, Nineveh does get cooked." Yeah, that's right. He's kind of a follow up. Jonah, uh, because he had a seven, of course in English I'm saying, we had a seven-word sermon, in 40 days Nineveh will be destroyed. <laughs> that was his sermon, folks. It was not four spiritual laws or three points in a poem. It was just uh, an announcement of doom and judgment on them. And yet they repented from the king down to the least among them, and God was merciful to them. And Jonah got ticked because he just knew. I knew you were that kind of forgiving, loving, merciful God. Exactly. You so. were going to, you were going to, and, and he didn't want that, of course, because he saw these as a threat to his uh, nation. And uh, but anyway, it but it still happened. The 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 prophecy did. Well, they returned to their idol. You mm-hmm. might say idol ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to their idol ways, their idolatry, and you know, 100 a hundred years later, there in fact, they were destroyed. I don't want to get sued over this, but there is a store that sells idols. I think in San Antonio. Oh, no, more than a no, few. No, you know what it's called? It's called idolatry. Dollar Tree. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, that's, well, you know. I'm sorry. That's worth I'm the price sorry. of admission right there. That was good. Um, and since my name is Dollar, I don't know. I'm kind of have to be careful about that. Well, any folks, anyway, folks, you can join with us. 340-9585. 340-9585. That's our phone number if you want to be part of the program. And let's go there first right off the bat. Les has called in. Uh, and less is more, as you know. That's right. So That's less right. Is more. <laughs> you, it's not the first time you've heard that, I think, Les, right? <laughs> I hear that a lot. Uh, you get less tomorrow than today, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hello, Les. This is Jacob. How are you? Just fine, Jacob. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing okay. I am open to a second opinion. Am I okay? 
Well, you're doing fine, man. You don't know him as well as I do, Les. So uh, <laughs> anyway, let me say this. Uh, do we? Let me ask you before we get to it. Do we have any more uh, have, subscriptions yeah, to give? We have about three or four more. Oh, wonderful, Les. We yeah, we hope yeah. that we can offer you this evening a copy of the uh, Biblical Archaeology Review magazine, and uh, we've been giving away free copies the last few weeks. And hopefully, one, if one you're interested, we can make yeah. one available to you as well. Yeah, it's a one-year subscription, mm-hmm. free, and it's a great magazine. And uh, and it's sounds great. Right. Well, good. We'd like to gift you with one, but first, let's hear what's on your mind tonight. What what caused you to call in tonight? All right, I have a question from the New Testament. All right, good. All right, Matthew chapter twenty-one. I'm going there as you speak, Matthew twenty-one. All right. Now, Jesus is talking to the chief priests and the elders. Okay. Of course, he's always scolding them, reprimanding them, talking to them in parables. Mm-hmm. And he goes down into verse 41, 42, and 43. Okay. All right. And really, the question is, Jesus says in verse 43, Therefore, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Mm-hmm. Who's this nation he's talking about? Um, I don't know. Let me let me see. Let well, me. Let, <laughs> Soapy, I don't have that portion of the Bible with me this evening. Okay. So, Sarah, why don't you read it for... Let, let's get into, into the context there. And we're talking about here during the last week, this is during the last week of Messiah's life. He has he has entered into Jerusalem. Remember the uh, Palm Sunday with the, uh, the people mm-hmm. spreading out palms before him. Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So he, he enters now into his last week of life, and he is... He is more, um, I don't know if he's more confrontational, but he's very direct. Uh, he uh, has this discourse and these, these confrontations with, the, with the, the religious leaders of the era, which we know already from history that this was a very corrupt time in the life of Israel. The Romans had right. bought, bought the priesthood. They were buying and selling places on the Sanhedrin and so on. So uh, there was a lot of corruption and, and, and um uh, mm, deception and so on uh, in in the religious leadership and, and of that era, the political leadership. So so now he's he's confronting them so directly. Read a couple on verses fronts. and give us a setting. Okay, that's just the setting. These are the verses. He comes to talk about a parable of the evil farmers, which is mm-hmm. a, and they recognize the religious leaders recognize that he, you know, he's talking about them that uh, that he is. Actually, in, in this, he's using that story to condemn the role of, of a corrupt or a false teachers and religious leaders. And then he says, did you ever read this in the scripture? Uh, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. And that comes, uh, if I remember correctly, from the book of Isaiah, chapter 28, uh, uh, Psalm 118, there's some references to it. I'm looking at my cross-references here. And it says, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. Anyone who stumbles over that stone 
will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone it falls on. Now, that makes me, as I think about this imagery of the stone, it makes me think actually of Daniel, who came up with this vision of a stone that came and crushed the idol in his mm-hmm. uh, visions there. It kind of makes me think of that stone that... Uh, and when the leading priests and Pharisees heard this parable, they realized he was telling the story against them, that they were the wicked farmers. They wanted to arrest him, but were afraid of the crowds who considered Jesus to be a prophet. So we that's that's the context. Now, Jacob, I don't know if you have a thought. I, I suppose right off the bat, Les, my thought would be that this is something that Paul addresses later, how uh, how the, the, the message of, of redemption and so on, transferred to a great degree from the Jewish nation, the, the Israel, the, the people of Israel, and it was expanded as Gentiles came into, uh, into became part of Israel through their, their, their receiving and the reception of, of uh, Messiah, and that they were, the Gentile nations were the ones who were then going to take the message and expand it to where it would be embraced by a worldwide audience and it, broader than ever before. That se- I think that is classically, traditionally the way it is seen. Paul seems to pick up on that theme in talking about the time of the Gentiles. And you've addressed that before, Jacob, when you said that maybe even that, that was part of God's plan, that that yeah. Israel for a time, yeah. in that sense, was... Well, you have Jesus, mm-hmm. um, and he says, uh, until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. That's in, what, Matthew 26, 27, I mm-hmm, think. Mm-hmm. And then, of course... Uh, Paul in Romans says the same Picks thing. Picks up on the theme, yeah. So the question Would is, that be the other nation that Jesus might be speaking of here that well, he says who, I'm going to who is he actually speaking to? To these religious leaders. To the religious leaders. The, uh, the, now, let's slow that down a second. Uh-huh, okay. Let's before I uh, go uh, uh, spewing my theory, what what do you think, Les? Good good Well you know, the way I'm looking at it. Israel was to be the light of the world, and naturally they stumble. And like you say, they become corrupt. So he's taking it, the Christ comes, the word is given to the Gentiles, and like you're saying, it's carried through the Gentiles. But the nation that becomes the greatest missionary nation for years and years was the USA. True. So... Maybe he was speaking of this future mm-hmm. USA that was created by him first to take care of the Jewish people and then have that country take care of Israel. And they become the light of the world till things are starting to go downhill now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But for years now, so that was my thought. That's very interesting. I, it really is, I think, especially... When you, we remember that the U.S. of A. is is really, truthfully, a nation of immigrants. We come, we are made up as a as a as a society, as a nation. We're made up of people from so many different nationalities and, and cultures and, and national backgrounds. It it, it is kind of interesting. It's kind of an interesting. Um, in a way, we become the kind of the representatives. Of the giant Gentile community, we come from all of these other countries. Of course, we have many uh, Jewish men and women as well, part of the culture and society here. But it is—I had never thought of that specifically. Uh, you know, focusing in on us as a nation, but in a way, we are kind of a representative group of 
the time of the Gentiles because we, we mm-hmm. come from all these different cultures. Yeah. I think it's an interesting so perspective. I, I, uh, I, I, I like what Les is suggesting because it certainly suggested a quid pro quo between America and Israel. I like that. Um, and, and a lot of people, I, if I may uh, give a second thought, uh, Caiaphas is not a Levite and he's not a priest. Right. So how did he get the office? The point is that him and his top priest, they are actually people that were uh, apostate Jews, but they worked at the hands of the Romans and Herod. So they mm-hmm. bought the offices, and they had to give, they had to collect taxes. They took a little bit for themselves, a little vicarage. And then they also would give the taxes over to the church and to, uh, and to Herod. And much of the taxes had to be used to build. You mean the to the temple? You said church, right? Oh, did I say church? Uh-huh. Uh, it was probably a slip. T- it was probably a slip. <laughs> right. <clears throat> but, so, and they were using it to build the Temple of uh, Jupiter that the Romans liked. And so all this is going on. Now, the real question that you can compare to, John the Baptist, he is, and we know this from the book of Luke, he is 100% both sides a Levite. Mm-hmm. He is a pure Levite. He should be in the temple. His father is Zechariah, his mother Elizabeth, uh-huh. and we know their background. Yes, both they, of them. Yeah. Both from Levite. And, but he's not at the temple. And he's out at the Jordan River. The reason is because everybody's familiar with the story in the Bible about the wedding feast. <clears throat> now, the wedding feast, if you read it closely, uh, it says something about he kills one guy. It's been passed down Oh, my goodness. Sorry about that. Yeah. The, that means wanna, we've got about 30 seconds okay. here. To, well, uh, uh, he kills one guy because he's desperate. Actually, it's a story not about uh, not about Jesus. It's a story about Pontius Pilate. Roman history, Jewish history records it. The story in the Bible is when he actually killed and chased out all the real Levites and put these substitutes in their places. That's the story. We'll come back and talk about it a little bit more, Les. Uh, don't hang up, though, all right? I'm just going to put you on hold a moment, and then we're going to get that all information right. and send you that that magazine about um, archaeology, all right? We'll be right back. I appreciate it. Thank you. Seven years since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work and we had got our oil done before, it would take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. 
And with 23 stores, there's an express lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning process? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. You cannot win the spiritual battle with partial obedience. You cannot win the spiritual fight with a temporary obedience. You can only win with a total and unconditional obedience to God as He is revealed in the Word of God. Learn more on Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Please join me every weekday morning, 8.30 on AM 630 KSLR. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We are back. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Les has called in with a great question this evening. Got our, got the ball rolling in terms of our looking at the passages. Now, this isn't one of the. It doesn't come from one of the books that we're looking at. These, the Old Testament scriptures, the last uh, books of Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, and so on. But he asked a question I, from the Gospel yeah, of Matthew. May I interrupt for a question? Sure. Please. I just want to say uh, because I know people in the audience was expecting uh, Les to come come back on. And uh, it was a just a error in transmission, and uh, Les uh, was let go. But if Les is listening, yeah, we, we're going to continue. We apologize, about, yeah. and you're welcome to call back in. You did get the information though, John, right? For his uh, uh, subscription to, um, I'm trying to. Re- I get it wrong every time. Bar Biblical Archaeology Review, and so we're going to make sure he gets a copy. Of that. You can you can get a copy of it as well. We get about three or four more copies to give away this evening. If you'd like to receive a free subscription to this archaeological review, it's a, it really is a very interesting background. They do a lot of archaeology uh, on biblical themes. And uh, it's not always what we want to hear. It's not always or we don't always agree. But they are looking at, and you get these beautiful pictures and these stories in the background some of the things that they are discovering. And there are some important uh, research. There is some important research taking place in these days around the scriptures, the accuracy, uh, the the reliability of the transmission of the scriptures to our times. And I, Jacob, actually, and I know you've told me this last week even, he's been in uh, one at least one or two groups where he's really had to go to bat. There's a lot of, there are still a lot of, uh, there's still, uh, even from, do you want to, Talk about the JEPD thing just a little bit before we go back. I'll be happy to, but I do want to add that when Les was accidentally let go, it wasn't accident. I don't want anybody to think because of that question. No, no, no. No, you say no, no, but there are a few people out there might say, oh, well, Jacob didn't want to address that question. 
That's not the case. Oh, okay. All right. I am more than willing to discuss, and if Les would like to call back, I'd love to discuss sure. it. So nobody has to think I was trying to duck Oh, no, issue. no, no, no. Okay, yeah, it was really basically, I, was, I thought maybe he'd... Yeah. Given the question, given the idea, we yeah. can discuss well, it, and he can continue to listen, yeah, and, and he's certainly free to call back. Right, yeah. sure, thanks. I just want everybody to know that sure. hey, I'm more than one to talk about that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, so the question was on oh, that. Oh, the J, yeah. Well, there's a theory they teach in a lot of colleges, uh-huh. and it's, the, uh, it's called the J-N-E-D-N-P theory. In other words, a German, uh, 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 Hitler's theo- uh, one of his theologians, came up with a theory that the God, the Bible, especially the Torah, the first five books, is put together by three or four different sources. After the fact, built uh, up over time, right? And then there was all cataloged by a group of people. And, and what's fascinating in his writings, and I find it fascinating that this is taught at, at all, um, all the major colleges, at Yale, Harvard, oh, yeah. and Oxford, and all this theory has gone on, and even in theological Bible teaching. Although there's really very little support for it. This is Will, Wellhausen's, uh, uh-huh. it, it was a theologian back in the time of the 40s, right? Back in the 19, well, no, early no, no, 1900s. No, 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 he died in 1919. Early 1900s, yeah. And he was a, he, he put forth this theory that since the different, the J... E, N, P, and D, these represent different names for God. Uh, yeah, Jehovah. His, 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 his theory was, he really cataloged some other early work. And the, this has only taken place in the last 200 years. Mm-hmm. And they said, look, the Bible at one point says, yod heh vav or what you'd call Jehovah. Elohim. And then uh, Elohim. He said, so that means there's two different sources. And, and I, I'm just astounded by that because it's just nuts. There's a, it's different needs because it's describing the different characteristics that God is performing. And it has nothing to do with different sources. And this is the interesting thing. Even today, the people, the affectionados of this theory, they, they, they'll admit that there are no record of any previous sources. What they're doing is they're reading the text, and because they don't understand what it means, they pick a word or a sentence out that seems to be incongruous. And then they'll say, ah, one of the famous ones is in uh, chapter 34 of Deuteronomy, verse 1. It says, these are the words that Moses spoke when on the other side of the Jordan. So they say, see, that means that somebody wrote it later, and it's a different person because he's talking about Moses' words. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand what's being said. And Moses is saying, listen, these are my words, but he uses his name Moses. And so they don't catch that. They don't know why it would say Elohim, why it would say Yahweh or Jehovah. They really don't get that. And the, and it's a lack of knowledge. And what I find, I was watching, I watched several lectures this last week from a Yale professor. And I'm just astounded by how little they really know the Bible. They have learned academia. They've learned the letters, the words. And they'll say, look, this sentence here says this, this sentence here, and there are different names for God. Which proves what? It proves nothing. And any, But they will never, ever speak to a real knowledgeable Christian, Jew, whatever. Somebody that's about the Bible, They just, the fact they exclude them. In fact, I must say, it really, the whole theory comes up with that, one, there is no supernatural. Two, that the people that put this together, if that theory is correct, the people put together are either unaware of the so-called contradictions or 
They just didn't care, and they thought we would never notice. They were inept. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. or, or and they thought we didn't notice. Mm-hmm. And number three, they must totally be absence of any character, honesty, or integrity. Because they're writing a book supposedly about honesty and do this, don't move people's boundaries, don't steal, don't kill, all that kind of stuff. And then I'm to understand that a group of people signed Moses' name to it. That would be a forgery. So uh, they're writing a book about how to be honest, and they're signing somebody else's name and saying, oh, but we're not going to be honest. I that, like what the story you told about one group that you were talking about that were, were saying all uh, of these things about the Scriptures. Right. I think this was a Jewish group you were talking it, it about. It was, yes. And it, and it had never occurred to them that that they were accusing the writers of the Scriptures, there, if that is if uh, that was true. Sure. Of, of conspiratorial perjury. I mean, they were, they were actually lying. Yeah, I, I, uh, and I said that. I said, look, if this is true, then what we have here is we have to name the animal. That means it's a forgery. A forgery, exactly. And why in the world, if it's a forgery, why in the world do we spend our time, waste our time studying this stuff? A forgery, If it's yes. a forgery. And you see... And a lot of people, you said, had never... Th- thought of that. Well, in fact, a lady that uh, Bernadette that has called in here before, and she's invited to call tonight, Uh um, I would say, uh, yes, she said, well, I've heard this stuff all all for a long time, but I've never heard it identified as a forger. And I said, well, look, if I draw a painting and I sign Rembrandt's name, that's a forgery. <laughs> so if I ha- if I put all these books together by 50 different writers, let's say, I sign most of the name, and I'll tell you, it says in Deuteronomy twice in chapter 30, Moses wrote this. And if, if, it, does, if it, it didn't happen that way, then it's dishonest, and it is a forgery. And the thing that shocks me is... <laughs> If they're writing a book about no steal, don't murder, do the right stuff, and then they forge it and sign Moses' name, I'm thinking, this isn't even logically coherent. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking about it, and I thought, you know what? I, so I looked up Wellhausen. I looked up his writings. And in his book, I mean, he says this. He said, uh, the Jews, the Jews, is very unpleasant. Uh, that they're, it's a false religion, and the way to destroy the Jews is destroy the Bible. Therefore, there will be no Jewish God. There was no Sinai, by the way. And if there's no Jewish God, then there are no Jews. And this is what he said, his words, not mine. Then we have uh, caused annihilation of them. And I said, that's the goal. My gosh, to do this, you are actually going back and doing what Hitler could not accomplish. What he couldn't accomplish militarily or physically or biologically, he were trying to accomplish, I guess, spiritually. Well, and and all that is there. That is true. But essentially, this comes down to being a question. And a lot of people don't understand this about the Scriptures. Uh, the Bible and, and the Scriptures, as they've come to us, the revelation that we have of God in the Scriptures, the redemptive plan and so on, uh-huh. it's, it's, I don't know if this is a word, it's investigatable. It's researchable. It's not something that we just have to... Uh, <laughs> it's not something that we just have to accept by faith and don't ask any questions. In fact, ah, I like this. I'm going to make a tie-in to our Great. one of our books tonight. Right. One of our books is the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Habakkuk, as you say, or whatever in, in Hebrew. The the wonderful thing I like about Habakkuk is, he is his whole book is made up of questions. He's questioning God. He's asking God, well, I don't understand this. Why this and why that and so on. He asks four major questions, and God answers them in his book. And um, 
It, it, the point is, is that we can ask God questions, right. and He answers them. We we can go to the we can evaluate the scriptures, uh, both the Hebrew scriptures and the the, the Tanakh, the, the Torah. All of these, they have a history. They have how they were how they were transmitted to us, how they were written, how they were copied. We have great details, and we have a lot of evidence around that process. The process of the Hebrew scriptures, the Torah, is is different. Uh, from the process and the experience of the New Testament, which they're both they're two different sets of writings, but they both have plenty of archaeological and and uh, in terms of literature, they have plenty of of evidence that, to show that they are reliable, that they have been transmitted to us accurately, uh, and and it's all there. And it's I guess what I'm trying to say about it. That's one of the things that makes the the biblical the revelation so very special is that it can be researched. You don't have to just take it on faith and say, well, it's just true. You have to believe it. You can go and look at the evidence, weigh the evidence and find do this because it's extremely important material, extremely important mm, information. If it's true. So we, it behooves us. I remember uh, back in my college years, Jacob, I came to the point where I finally realized that, you know, I got to do my homework on this. I just can't keep accepting. Now I'd accepted it as a child, as an eight-year-old boy. I witnessed. I was devoted to the Lord. I walked with the Lord. I shared. I was involved in ministry. But finally, as I began, I was answering questions from people asking me questions as I ministered on the college campus and so on. But finally, I realized, you know, I've really got to go deep now because people are asking the hard questions. They really want to know. And so I did. I I probably spent a decade. Right. Really going kind of some of the things you've done, but you've done it a lot deeper, I think, because of your Hebrew, you know, knowledge and the connections and contacts. But I would say to people, if you'd like to look at some great, there there is some great information out there. I I would say that still one of the great pieces that you could look at, not because Josh McDowell himself is so brilliant. He's a brilliant fellow, and he talked to you know millions of students in his time of of when he was lecturing across the campuses of here in the U.S. and around the world. But he does a tremendous job of documenting uh, his research. And if you read the book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, or there's a sequel, there's a second, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, or it's called More oh, Evidence. It's a retrial. Yeah, it, More Evidence Well, you said, yeah, there's evidence that demands a verdict. And, and there's, then there's a, a second book. Okay, it's a, a retrial. Well, so he did More Evidence. Either one of those. Now, More Evidence, he put, he looks specifically at the J-E-P-D argument, and, yeah. he, and he looks at the book of, of Daniel, which is a well, particularly you know, prob- you know problematic book. Really troubles people. me, too, is, as I say, at Yale, Harvard, University of Michigan, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, uh, even theological schools, I learned today, even the Dallas Theological Seminary talks about these theories. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, that has so creeped in. I think they reject them oh, as, well, a whole, uh, as a whole at Dallas, do, yes. Sure. But the fact is that this thing has been, it's all concocted, it's a theory, and it's very shallow mm-hmm. scholarship. But, at any rate, I have an unusual situation going on here. I had mentioned a lady's name, Bernadette, <laughs> and it seems she has called in. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Who's using my name in vain there? Well, uh, let, you I want to go with That's what she said, yeah. Shall we go and talk with Bernadette and see if I can? What line is she on? Uh, you can tell me. The, okay. Let's go and visit then with Bernadette. Are you there, Bernadette? Yes, I'm well, here. You heard your name, and you were calling in. I, to defend yourself or something, or to, uh, how much? Uh, how much do we owe you for the mere mention of your name, Bernadette? <laughs> Actually, I was uh, calling in about 
um, Jacob's mention of his um, the forgery yes. uh, remarks. It, I was sitting time, next to him at the time, and the looks he got, I'm really surprised he didn't burst into flames. <laughs> That's funny. So you were in the room, huh? I was sitting next to him. I, I think I'm going to have to move over a chair. Yeah, he says some fairly bold things, but I, it sounds to me like the kind of a context, the kind of a where you really someone has to be bold, and you you, you have to, you're almost forced. You got to say what you believe, and I, I, uh, I'm, I I welcome that kind of environment. It, I, tell me about what the room is like in that sort of a setting. What is it? Thirty or forty people? What's the deal? What's the context? The- Oh, there's usually between about 20 and 30 people in the room. And, um, yeah, and does the rabbi and Jacob very, very rarely agree with one another. Uh-huh. Uh, depending on which rabbi it is. We have more than one rabbi at the synagogue, but, uh-huh. um, yeah, Jacob and the rabbi don't always see eye to eye. <laughs> well, it seems to me like that would be a very interesting, interesting setting for the rest of the room. Because you're getting to hear, you know, you're really getting to hear a good, clear debate, uh, evidently held in oh. a responsible and respectful way. But you're getting to hear both sides. Uh, that, that's probably a fairly good development. Right? Both, both sides. Um, now, if you have 30 people in the room, you're going to have at least 40 opinions. <laughs> that's right. It is a Jewish meeting. That's right. I, <laughs> it I get that. is, yes. Well, does uh, Jacob kind of hold his own all right, or is, is there anyone stand with him, or how does it go? The, um, he's gotten quite a, a lot of support recently. I think last Saturday he really felt that in the room. Didn't you, Jacob? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, in fact, but, I raised my fist and I said, Rebellion! <laughs> yes. I don't believe that. No, I'm kidding, several, I'm kidding. Several people, yeah, no, several people in the room named him specifically. You know, they know that he has a problem with Wellhausen, and you know, they, uh, the rabbi had presented a paper with that um, Wellhausen's uh, opinions. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting discussion once we get around to that. <laughs> I am so glad you called in. That... <laughs> yeah, and i got to say, Bernadette <laughs> is a very, very strong believer. She... Under, she's got great faith. She studies the Torah. She's uh, really trying to keep the 613 because she uh-huh. is Jewish. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And she comes as a recent descendant from family of Holocaust survivors. Mm-hmm. So she's got a real background. Well, Bernadette, do, i, I got to ask you this. Do, does anyone make the connection? I, I personally, when I first started hearing about these mm, these kind of theories that kind of undermine the veracity and the reliability of the the Hebrew scriptures, the Torah, and others. You know, I be even way back when I began to hear about it, I thought, well, don't they understand that they're actually pulling the rug out from under themselves? That that if you destroy, if there is no reliability, if there is no, uh, if it is a forgery and so on, that kind of removes. I mean. It, I, I'm not sure in what sense Judaism would even survive if you take away the basis of it. Or is it? Does anyone seem to make that connection or realize the importance of? Uh, it seems like people are so eager. Even I'm surprised. Even maybe even among Jewish men and women that 
they seem kind of eager and, and so very receptive to this idea. But it, but in the end, it pretty much destroys the basis uh, of your faith in a way. Does anyone make that connection, or how do you handle that? The Jews that I know, um, I've never heard any of them support this theory, honestly. I, I had never even heard of this theory until recently, and it made no sense to me. I looked at it, and I couldn't understand why anyone would give it any plan. So it's... Um, no, I, I, I don't understand why anyone could look at it and think that it was truth. Right. Oh, well, I, I was just eager to ask you that, and just because even to a you know an Apache, an Apache Gentile like myself, even uh, twenty twenty five years ago when I began to first hear about it and study it, and even I put it together that wow, this is that would be terribly destructive to the whole idea of our faith, uh, whether it's. Judaism, or as we care for it to Messiah Jesus and so on, it seemed like it would undermine the whole, the whole thing, you know, the the very foundations of it. But uh, anyway, well I, well, I appreciate you calling in. Anything you want to add? I, I think you already well, have a copy no, of she our. she doesn't. You don't? They, well, I have one. She doesn't. Does Bernadette, Bernadette, can we gift you a copy of the um, Biblical Archaeology Review? Would you I, find I would love a copy of that. Now, the only other thing I wanted to say was um, we talked last week in Torah study about interpretation. And obviously, when you study Torah, that's what you're doing. You know, what does this mean to you? Yeah. And one of the people in our Torah study group, another lawyer, uh, we have a few of those in our group. <laughs> Playing with said, fire there, I tell you. <laughs> when it comes to interpretation... If you listen to a German anti-Semite, what kind of interpretation is he going to have? They call it higher criticism. I'd rather recharacterize it correctly and call it higher anti-Semitism. <laughs> That's something I'm quite familiar with. That is, the, that is the term used for Wellhausen, his theories, and those who followed on higher criticism. And, of course... I don't know. It's like so many things that happen in you know the with the elite and those in the higher influence and so on. I don't. I can never the the why I never understand. You know why why would people doing this even though it seems to be destructive to their very idea and and I don't know I don't know about anything about the faith. Basis of Wellhausen or anyone? Are they people who oh, he was love a, God? He and, was a distinct, as he interpreted it, Christian. I do not think he'd be classified oh, really? in reality as a Christian, but uh -huh. he thought he was. In fact, uh, he would. He supported. It's not an accident that he says the Torah is from four different places. Why? Because in his world there are four Gospels. So he's saying, Ah, you see, it matches this and matches, this, but it doesn't make sense. The truth is, the guy had an agenda. And the guy, frankly, shaped everything he did to come out that way. Mm. And it's just surprising to me that so many places. I see. So he was not a, a believing, practicing Jew. He was. Oh no. He, he had. No. Nothing. Yeah, he, interesting. Yeah. He, he would have thrown himself on a fire. I think. I see. All right. Well, listen. You are so sweet to call Bernadette, and and hopefully. Uh, if there's any lawsuit involved for the false <laughs> use of your name, it was Jacob who said your name. So, the, okay, just, so. just blame Jacob. Okay, I can live with that. 
Anyway, thank you so much for calling in. And please don't hang up because John wants to get down uh, a mailing address so that we can get the uh, subscription mailed to you uh, of Biblical Archaeology Review. Thank you, Bernadette, for calling. Thank you very much, Sophie. Good Uh, night. Let's see if I know how to hit the right button here and let John visit with her. And let's go on to line line three, three and visit with Jacob. Jacob is on the line. Uh, not Jacob. I'm, you, Jacob. No, I'm, I'm over here. He's so. over here in the room with me. This is Harold. Uh, hi, Harold. How Hello. are you this evening? I'm doing really good. How y'all doing? I'm we're all, we're all right. All I guess. All right. Have you already voted? I have not voted. Okay. And I, I still, had a chance to. I, ha- I still yet. have time to convert you. I still have time to get you off of this <laughs> terrible course. That you were in, <laughs> that you well, were. Well, you know, uh, you, actually, I I had a course, huh? Oh well, you were. You on know what path, I was going to say. You were on a path that I thought, oh, please, Lord, help Harold to understand. He can't. Do oh, it. I was on a path of righteousness. That's oh, what I was well, on. I'm not going <laughs> to. Oh, okay, there. I know, I know, Uncle, Uncle Soapy Dollar. I've been praying there. for you. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. You know, and uh, uh, you know, I I, I actually chance to ride a bus from uh, Antioch Baptist Church today. I I was sitting here this morning about 10, and I mentioned to my wife, I said, you know, I just want to go there before January. And she goes, the only thing that's keeping you is help from putting on a new shirt. And right then I heard that Rocky music going on, you know, and I thought, oh, my goodness. So anyway, I went over there, and I uh, the congressman was there, Mr. Gallegos, Pete. Oh, really? Gallegos. Pete was there himself. Yeah, he was there, and pa- Pastor Kemp uh, pointed out that he stayed throughout the whole service. And of course, when we shake hands, you know, I introduced myself as a member of Temple Bethel and talked about my boy a little bit, you know, Harold, uh, you know, the things that he did. Sure. And then, uh, you know, um, he was surrounded by. Good people, and the sermon was on uh, Esther, uh, chapter four, uh, around verse fourteen and fifteen. And uh, Pastor Kemp, I really love the way he he delivered that. You know, we all have a time and a moment, and sometimes we the the, the time is now. We only get one yeah. one chance. You know, I mean, it was really you know I didn't get home till Sunday one o'clock. Oh, I've always been it's a eleven. Theme, that's a great yeah. theme. Yeah, yeah. I did have a question, and, and since we were discussing uh, the synagogue, um, Temple Bethel, you know, the way I understand it is that, um, you know, I, I'm able to go there. I converted there, and I know that you can convert to to the Orthodox, I'm pretty sure, but it takes years and years. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for that temple w- with the conversion plan, uh, you know, the way they do it, I probably would, wouldn't be able to. And Rabbi Nathan, the way I'm understanding her is that, you know, she gives us the freedom. She, she does not put God in a box and says, shakes it and says, this is him, this is it. She gives us to, the freedom to believe the way we want to believe and discuss you know, our differences and and how we come to that point. Well, that's what I was talking to Bernadette about. I mentioned the fact that it has to be in some ways a positive development that 
you can add, actually sit in a room and people can actually tell their research, tell on, on what basis they believe what they believe. And uh, in some ways, I think it's healthy and positive that you're able to have that kind of a discussion. Uh, uh, although, clearly, uh, I kind of come down on the side of, well, I, I think the, the scriptures are reliable. They're, they've been transmitted to us accurately and, and truly. And uh, I don't really see the sense in, in undermining them, either from a Jewish or, you know, of course, obviously a Christian point of view. Um, but anyway, Harold, I've got to take a break right now. We'll come back in just a moment. If you'll stay on the line with me, I'd appreciate it. We've got to take our final break before our final 30-minute segment. So if you'd like to call, like uh, Bernadette has and others who have called in and Harold here, you can give us a call, 340-9585. 340-9585. We'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Love that drum solo coming into that great, great old hymn. Welcome back. This is the Bible Live. We are going to continue through our final segment here. And uh, before we get back to Harold, I want to make sure we realize we we don't want to use names, all right, as we talk about these different uh, issues and so on. Let's try not to bring personalities into it. And I would like to quickly, if I may, since uh, that rabbi's name was mentioned, I want to say she's a brilliant lady. And I really like her, and she, I got great respect for her. She's very, very knowledgeable. And as Harold said, she does encourage the freedom to everybody to express their own point of views, even if they do not agree with hers. Like I was saying, to me it seems in some ways a, a rare opportunity that you would have to actually discuss this particular issue, the veracity, the reliability of the Hebrew text and so on, the Torah and other parts of the Tanakh. Uh, in a in an open and fair way, and I I think it's good. We well, we good. did not mean to be in any way, um, no, overly critical and no, or no. negative. Nobody should critical. take it that it was meant yeah. that way. No. All right. So, but what we will try to if if Harold is in agreement, let's try to not mention names or be involved per, different personalities. You can mention Jacob here all you want. He doesn't matter, and he doesn't care. But <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Harold, you had something okay. else on your mind. We've got some other callers lined up, and I wanted to see yes, what else I, is on yes, your mind. Yes, I did have. Well, uh, uh, I was going to ask you a question about First Peter chapter four, and uh, in regards to the lady that called just before uh, I did, you know, in respect for names and everything, you know, like you said, sure. she described the the uh, Bible study room, you know, the Torah study room as twenty to thirty. And maybe if it was a hundred people, there would be a different feeling or a different, you know, more things would be discussed or something. So that's all I would say there. That's interesting. So, you know, in a smaller group, we can kind of not pick on people, but we can kind of stay on a little topic, you know, something like that. And what her job is, is to stick to the text 
to the several verses that we're trying to do, and and uh, sometimes we get off track. We bring it to the modern times, and but she's you constantly. Mean Jewish people do that too. Y'all, sometimes Jewish we folks. Have, oh, no. We have never ever got off track. It's we have a very wide track. You didn't know. You didn't even know there was <laughs> yeah, a track, well, since, did you? Uh, all right, let's go since you have other callers, yes. Let's uh, go to First, first Peter. First Peter First Peter chapter four verse twelve, where it says, "Beloved, do not think it is strange concerning the fury trail, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice in the ex- intent that you uh, partake in Christ's suffering or the Messiah's sufferings, which that when His glory is revealed." So I'm thinking, you know, without mentioning uh, Greeks and all these other different things. I'm thinking, though, are those the Jewish people that followed after Jesus, the Jewish rabbi? Because this is way back in the beginning, and they felt uncomfortable. They had to hide their identity. And if you'd like, I'd listen off the air, or you know, if you want to respond to it at all, that's fine. Good question. Good question. Well, yeah, let's do that. You already have your subscription to the uh, yes, yes, biblical archaeology, so we'll we'll talk about that. I, I. Okay, thank you very much. You bet you. I'll call next time. You bet. Good to hear from you. Uh, I would say uh, to him that I I do think that he's right, that to some degree this was a letter. The letter from Peter, he opens up in the very first chapter talking about those who are caught up in, uh, I believe he talks about those who are caught up in the dispersion, uh, scattered. Um, Let me look again. Uh, He's talking to men and women who, uh, who are followers of Jesus Christ, both Jewish and uh, Gentile believers of that era, and as you, there was a, Rome was an equal opportunity suppressor. They 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 didn't care if you were Jewish or Christian. They pretty much uh, would would uh, would um, torture you, and t- <laughs> as long as you didn't worship the uh, the Caesar. I think that you were. On the outs, but uh, so Peter is talking to the men and women caught up in uh, who are in this time of uh, 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 in this time of persecution, and he talks to them in chapter four there about seeing just like James does. The book of James also does the same thing. Um, Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, he says, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his sufferings with Messiah, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing and participating in his glory when it is revealed to all the world. So be happy when you are insulted for being a follower of Christ, for then the glo- his glorious spirit, the spirit of God, rests upon you. And if you suffer, though, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. Uh, in other words, if we do suffer, let it not be legitimate because of bad evil doing, but um, because we we call on the name of God and follow uh, Messiah. So it's a very very good passage, and I I think in fact Peter is addressing. I'll have to look into this a little more closely, but Peter's book is in that era and that time when he he begins by telling them uh, during the it was during the time of the people were fleeing from the persecution under Rome. Uh, I guess, it, is it called, uh, it, was this a, do the Jewish people think of this as a second diaspora, a, a, a second dispersion after the time of Babylon, the Babylonian dispersion? Is is this considered a second 
diaspora or well i i see i don't know it certainly is but i don't know if they number it <clears throat> as being uh-huh. second <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. i think they're numerically above that but uh because it's happened it's happened upon us uh, probably occasions. been more than two right i i just was um but i think I, I think that is true i'll have to look at it a little more carefully and folks you can do that too if you just go to the book of uh peter look at some of your study bibles and look at the time of its writing uh, somewhere the dating I, I'm looking for it myself right now on that book but uh, let's let's go back uh, after that just brief comment let's go back to our books you were going to say something or I had brought up something about the book of Habakkuk and the questioning that takes yes. place yeah. I, I, I thought that was a, a good way this idea of questioning the scriptures and asking yeah. asking God to explain himself and so on some people say no you can't do that you know God doesn't need to explain himself and you should just accept it by faith and yet the very nature of the revelation that God has given us is a it it's not something written in the stars it's not a it's not so the supernatural thing it's not a philosophy or just a, without it has it has roots in history uh, its veracity, its reliability, um, and and we can we can study that, and and it it it, it is unique. The Hebrew, the Christian, uh, the Hebrew, uh, the Jewish and Christian, Judeo Christian revelation is one that is investigatable. I don't even know if that's a word, uh, but it, 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 there is a better word for it. I I, I know. But it's something that we can look at and evaluate. We don't have to just accept. In fact, is Habakkuk proves that because he is one who takes these questions to God about why do you do this? Why is it? Why aren't you? Why are you allowing a wicked, evil nation like Babylon to to uh, be used as a, an instrument of judgment on your people? And when are you going to judge them? And and so he's full with, filled with these questions, and God answers them uh, throughout the book of Habakkuk. You, I think, if you read it, you'd. Some of you who like to question God and ask questions, and uh, you'd be gratified to read the book of Habakkuk because you would fig- see God not only uh, putting up with Habakkuk's questions, but encouraging them and then answering, giving answers to those qu- tough questions that Habakkuk is uh, bringing to him. It's one of the distinctives of the book of Habakkuk. Uh, and then we have Zephaniah, um, who was the king of Judah when uh when Josiah, remember the young king, the eight-year-old king that that was put on the throne uh, of um, Israel, the eight-year-old when he, he was very young, eight, and when he was sixteen, mid sixteen, seventeen years of age, he led this great spiritual renewal, this revival, one of the great, one of the eight great revivals recorded in the Hebrew scriptures, sure. uh, in a time e- of Ezra and Nehemiah. The high priest was a fellow named Hakoel. Ha- 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 uh huh. Uh, Hilkel, uh-huh. and uh, so yeah, and and it was, it truly was, and uh, that, believe it or not, is one of the things that the people behind this, these initials and that they're teaching say. Oh well, when they said they found the Bible in the ruin, that means that they wrote it, and that that's asinine. oh my goodness, that's asinine. Oh, my goodness, but um, anyway, <laughs> they know, found it. They wrote. It. Well, if you remember the story, folks, the young king, the, the the temple had grown into disuse, dusty, and and kind of dilapidated. And he had the the priest went through, and they began to restore it and refurbish the the uh, the rooms and the, and the structure of the temple. And they found an old dusty copy of the of the text and uh, brought it out, and they read it to the king. All right. 
and he bur- he yeah. went to tears. It just touched him deeply that we're not following, we're not obeying these laws. And then he read them as he was commanded to do in the book of that Jacob has helped us to see, the book of Genesis, right? It it actually occurs several times, Mm -hmm. and then uh, the codification of it occurs actually in Deuteronomy. It's performed in Joshua, Kings, Ezra, Nehemiah, as you say. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing goes on and on. Well, this young King Josiah reads the... uh, Reads the uh, the law, the book, of, probably the book of Deuteronomy, or perhaps the entire Torah, but he reads it yeah. to the people, and they are deeply touched, yeah. and it sparks a, a spiritual renewal, revival in the land. Even that was not universal. It doesn't mean that everybody converted, never. But these great spiritual revivals that was when the people of God, those who truly love God, and they got on fire, they got enthusiastic, and that's what we keep praying for America. Not that everybody in the whole nation would convert, although that wouldn't be against our idea. But the, if just if even the people of God would get truly excited and humble and go to God in repentance and and turn from our sinful, wicked ways that, and seek His righteousness, that in itself would be so positive, the greatest thing that could happen for our nation, uh, the, uh, a spiritual renewal you know, that we've been praying interesting for. Interesting thing about uh, uh, Habakkuk, or Habakkuk mm-hmm. uh, is because there is, I don't like the word "kook" in his name. I mean, just well, you know, well, just, well, say Habakkuk. Okay. Okay. I remember an old uh, Walt Disney show was on years ago, and uh, the start was Alfago Baca. <laughs> but anyway, um, so what's interesting about this, and I know we've mentioned this before, and you've looked in your notes, and it says we really don't know much about this guy. Well, there is a thread of Jewish history that says who this guy is and who his daddy was. Oh, I like that. I yes. think I remember even yes, who it was, but do. I. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, Starts come on. Dish it out to us. Tell Starts us who. with an O. Obadiah? Obadiah. And Obadiah is what? Yes, you guessed it again. He is an Edomite. He's he not is not Jewish. Jewish. Obadiah. So you got a Now, book. Obadiah, let's go back. Obadiah was this priest in the time of Ahab and Jezebel. Yes, he was. Who saved the lives yes, of uh, he, he a hundred or several, more. A uh, hundred, but he kept them in groups of 50 in caves, gave them food uh-huh. and water, that kind of and stuff. And he goes out and meets the prophet, Elijah. He meets Elijah, and, uh, yes, he mm-hmm. does. And, and he says that he's done this, and so that you're not alone, for I, you know. Yeah. And, 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 and so okay. this is, yeah. Habakkuk is Obadiah's son. Oh, yes, it gets better. Would you like the whole story? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? Okay, so here's some of the Jewish understanding. Now, there may be some people who dispute this, but I always like this. Let other people have their opinions, even if they're not correct. They have every well, right to be wrong they if they want to, right? Okay. So Obadiah is an Edomite. So see when they say all the books are written in the Old Testament, the, in the Tanakh, by the Jews is not really accurate. No. So he's an Edomite, and there's an understanding that he was given the privilege of writing that book to be codified in the Tanakh, the Old Testament, because of his faithful service to God by saving those prophets. He had a, well, he had a son, he had a wife. And this guy, when the king didn't like him, uh, just Bella has, they didn't like him. So he didn't go well. He ended up dying. Obadiah didn't end well, huh? He did not. But, but, well, then he had a wife. Since all the property was taken, she became known as the Shulamite woman. Really? Oh, really? We're not done yet, so we hang on to your seat. The Shulamite woman. And uh, she was starving and poor. Ah, and Elijah visited her. He, she, she did. He got the blessings. And then she had a son 
that died. Died and was brought back to life. And that's Habakkuk. That's Habakkuk. Hey, you got it. Wow. Yeah. You know, I do actually remember all of this you now see, that you've brought it You see it. how these stories fit together. Yeah, yeah. It makes, do, it, it, makes it a story. Well, it sure does. And uh, a lot of things happen along the lines of real human relationships. I, it shouldn't surprise us at all. Well, that's interesting. I and it, and well, I am I assuming. Only, I think it's only fair to say that some people would dispute that story. But the, the majority opinion is certainly that. Okay. Well, that's what I was going to say is that. I'm assuming then that there is some basis. This just oh, wasn't. Yeah. It's not just made up out of whole cloth. That oh, this was that, and he was there. There's some basis even in scripture that uh, might make yes. us. Oh yeah, they don't just draw this out of thin air. They have a rule, by the way. Uh, even in certain esoteric teachings in Jewish thought, like some people may like it, may not. Even in the Zohar, and in those kind of teachings. In the, uh, something called the Midrash, you must have a line that you tie everything to in the Torah. If you cannot, and if the scholars confront you, you've got to say, it's this line, this is why. You've got to tie it to something in the Torah. If you cannot, then they say, you've made that up. It's not in the Bible. Disregard that. It's not real. It's your imagination. You must have something to tie it to. <laughs> Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, um, I, I respect that, and I'm really glad that's there because, you know, as as Harold has said, as others, uh, even Bernadette mentioning the, the idea that good, healthy debate and discussion, I, I'm not afraid of it, and I think it is probably good and healthy in most cases. Um, but mm, uh, some of the stuff we've talked about, I, sure, sure. I, the. I guess you do have to come to a conclusion, and sometimes conclusions have consequences. I was wondering, could, since we're talking about this book, in your version of your Bible that you have here, uh huh, would you be good enough to look in chapter one? And I would like to know what chapter one verse. Uh, what book what, are we talking about? Uh, well, the book Habakkuk. Okay, okay. Habakkuk. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Habakkuk. So look at uh, chapter one, and I'd like to know what verse twelve says. Especially when you get down after it says, You appointed them, O God, only to dispense justice. You established them. And after it says establish them, I'd like to know what your version says. Okay. And if it says the same thing, we got us a theme here. All right. Uh, chapter what? Oh, yeah. We have Anna still on line one, too. Okay. What chapter? Uh, chapter 1, verse 12. It says in this particular version, um, uh, this is part of uh, the 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 heading here, which is not part of the scriptures, but it says it's Habakkuk's second complaint or his second question toward God. He says, O Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. Speaking of his people, uh, uh, th th those who love him and follow him. Mm -hmm. O Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish uh -huh. us for our many sins. Uh -huh. But you are pure and cannot stand the okay. sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Well, what, Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than right. they? And your version uses the word rock with nothing else on it, right? O Lord, our rock, you have ah. sent the yeah. Okay, here's what. Technically, it means. Are you ready for this? I think I am. Rock of Ages. Cliff for me. Ah. Let me hide myself in the... I love that song, and I love that theme, the idea. Why, well, sure, we all do. Or we did. But no, we still do. <laughs> uh, right. Rock but, of Ages. Uh, Cliff for me. Mazur 
He's talking yeah. about Messiah there, Jacob, by the way. Oh, is that right? Yeah. By the way, earlier when you said uh, <laughs> the thing about the, the the rock that the builders mm-hmm. built, oh, yeah. built builders in, in Hebrew is very close, except for what? Like, From that passage right? in Matthew, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Uh-huh. When he's talking about that, it, it can also be builders or brothers, just by one little okay. twist of a word, uh-huh. a letter. But what's fascinating is this. It's... Certainly, I understand the Christians take it as Jesus, which is fine. Uh-huh. But also, in Jewish scriptures and literature, it's referred to as, drum roll, please, <laughs> it, uh, Joseph, who got sent to Egypt, mm-hmm. the builder, the stone that was rejected. Uh, he goes down there and he becomes, becomes like a, a, and that's, he's also called the capstone in a couple of places. Oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah, 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 I like that. And uh, th- you seemed surprised a while ago when I related back to the vision of Daniel. Remember, do you remember what, I, you look like maybe a little confused even, do you remember the that particular reference? Where Dan, there's this great stone that right. comes down and smashes the idol. smashes the idol made out of different types of uh-huh. uh, clay, uh, his feet uh, are uh, clay uh-huh. and uh, metal or Particularly something. Particularly the Roman Empire yeah, there yeah. when he was talking about the right. The breakup of the Rome, the uh, metal in in the combination of metal and in the feet, and the toes. And I toes see, and so I on. see what you're saying now. You're saying if the rock rolling down the hill was Jesus, he hit the na- Roman, the Empire, Roman Empire, Empire and helped destroy it, and knocked them off their feet. You might say exactly. I remember a story like that where a guy in the <laughs> I feel something coming. A, yeah, the Book of Acts. He got knocked off. His uh, donkey, or we might call it something else. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I remember he hit his head, and he had a vision, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then we've got our good buddy Paul, or the good buddy Saul, right, who became the Apostle Paul. Well, uh, we want to go and take Anna's oh, call, we don't we? better get Anna, yeah. Uh, let's, I know she's in here somewhere, and I think I have the right button pushed. Hi, Anna. Good to talk with you tonight. We have uh, five minutes left in the program. Can you uh, give us what was on your heart or your mind to talk about? Okay. Well, first of all, I love your show. Um, And I'm really really still a little new on it, okay? But I, uh, and I love the idea of of you're not being afraid of questions and encouraging people to research and actually think and think about things and ask God and you know, I love that. That's a great, great way. And I have a strong question. It's rather strong, but I believe you can deal with it. Okay. Okay. What if the Christianity that was ongoing for over 200 years before Constantine uh-huh. came along, what if it was, what if that, that that's the Christianity that Jesus gave us without a lot of hierarchy and, and a lot of things that was put in later? What if that Christianity was totally different than the one which maybe crept in with man-made rules by Constantine, Catholic clergy, and I know they were probably sure. all well-intended, and I know that Christians are basically loving people, and that's the most powerful thing. But, what, you know, they were surrounded by pagans at that time. Uh-huh. So why, and they went to Babylonia, even the Jews went to Babylonia, like, and that's so cool that, that you know all that. Um, but, you know, the idea that God demands an innocent creature, an innocent victim to keep his anger in check, that was totally pagan. So uh, the devil, hell, they were all pagan things brought into the church. My question is, what was the Christianity like that Jesus gave us, and shouldn't we try to find that out? 
Great question, and many people have asked that. And particularly, I'll tell you the honest truth, particularly as we come across, even as we come to the Halloween season or even to the Christian Christmas season, there are a lot of believers, there are a lot of followers of Jesus who are really concerned about the fact that that um, that that uh, Christians in a particular era, the early Roman era, may have borrowed from pagan Roman, uh, you know, pagan worship to, uh, to, and they have often, you know, they stolen uh, fiesta uh, festival times that did belong to to uh, pagan gods or idols, and they we kind of stole them and, and made them uh, uh, the time, you know, a celebration of Christianity in a way. So, I, I maybe we should use the word converted as opposed to stolen. <laughs> Just a thought. Yeah, a thought. we baptized uh, certain <laughs> yeah, festivals. Yeah, baptized and, this holiday and it came And it up. became something different. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that some of that happened. And I don't, I'm not particularly troubled necessarily that Bruce. things happen in society and history, uh, movements. And, and there's no doubt that. Uh, that the Christian movement, what happened is when when Jesus, after his life, his death, his resurrection, and the, it kind of spread like wildfire across the Roman Empire at that time. We read about it at the beginning there in the book of Acts and so on. And it, historically, it's a reality. And that would take, it would be a real, may I, I mean, it would. May I offer it a would it would it would happen in real time and space and Roman culture, so those kind of things would happen. But I still, and what you're talking about had already happened, of course, with Judaism. It can get dis- diluted, it can get distorted, and so on. And I think that's one reason Christians uh, today, true believers and followers of Jesus Christ, or as as well as as true believers and followers of uh, of the Hebrew text and so on. That, frankly, as if you've been listening long and. We Christians, we're just Jews. <laughs> We've just become, I, we just bought into the I just Jewish revelation. To slip in one thought Go quick. Ahead. I think we know Jesus was a Jew. He's raised as a Jew. He practiced Judaism. And therefore, if you really want to know what it was before the influence you're talking about, look at what the Jews worshiped. And that's what we're trying to emphasize here on The Bible Live. Anna, you're so sweet to call in. Uh, hang on the line. Do you, would you like a copy of the, the uh, Biblical Archaeology Review? Uh, yes. I might, I might, but I, can I call back tomorrow about it? Uh, no, you'd have to call tonight. And, and let me just turn you over to to uh, John, and he's going to get down the information so we can mail the uh, okay. pr- subscription okay. Okay. to you. Yeah, hang on, hang, hang on. on. Don't hang up on us here. Antonio, Texas, Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.